0: Welcome everybody to another COVID combo where we have real conversations with real people about what well being looks like in a pandemic. I've got a good friend with me today, Simon. How are you going man?
1: Yeah, good cash. How are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, again we're we're missing Griggsy. Uh, we don't think that he has COVID, but he is feeling a little bit unwill at the moment. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Uh, but until then, we're just gonna have to make up with it with a with a super guest, uh, Dr. Tom Bronzel. And I can call you doctor now, which is really, really awesome. Uh Tom, how are you going? How are you going, Tom?
2: I'm going well. Hello. Hello, cash and hello, Simon. Thanks for having me here today.
0: Oh man. Pleasure. Um can you introduce yourself to our audience. Tell them, what do we, want, what do we need to know about you? <laughs>
2: uh, the minute version is, uh, I, my accent is from Southern California. I was uh, raised in Los Angeles and uh, I spent most of my years as a professional in New York City, being an educator, uh, both in Harlem and in the Bronx. And then I moved to Victoria nine years ago and now I'm the director of education for Berry Street, Victoria. And uh, that means that I am the supervisor of our Berry Street School, which serves four campuses around the state to support young people who are struggling in mainstream education and often living in care. Uh, we also support case management and education services to help engage kids to education. And we also are very proud of the consultation work we do with schools around the country and now internationally through the Berry Street Education Model. And that is giving schools strategies to engage uh, students. Uh, And uh, our DNA in that work is being trauma aware, being well-being aware and informed by well-being science, positive psychology. And of course, really understanding the science So I'm sure through our quick time together, you'll hear those areas spinning around my thinking as I share stuff with you. And also, I'm proud to say that, uh, as you alluded to, Keshe, I am a uh, honorary fellow at the Melbourne University Graduate School of Education. And uh, my PhD recently completed was with Professor Lee Waters and Associate Professor Helen
0: Stokes. Mm. There's a whole bunch of reasons why I'm really excited to... Chat to you today Tom and I've been looking forward to it actually all week because of that intersection that you play in and have played in a long time. And I'm really curious given in a way you've been training for something like this for a long time. Um how has COVID been affecting you and the places that you're working in your life?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, I can't help but think of, you know, mind, mind, body, heart. And, you know, cognitively, I can certainly, you know, my, our, our, my already fast spinning thinking as a community services and education leader, you know, my thinking overload uh, has just been fast forward escalating. How do we expand our services? How do we meet the significant needs of vulnerable students and vulnerable young people? And how do we hold space for the teams that we're working with? So cognitively, I'm there. Uh, I think I'm there. It's uh, good days, rough days. Uh, My centered work uh, starts thinking about the people around the world, particularly in the country that I also hold a passport to. uh, 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 In addition to being Australian, I'm still part of the United States of America. And as we know, know the... Disparate responses to COVID-19 around the country are essentially I would say, cut all through all of it to say Are leaving out the people who are Experiencing socioeconomic Disadvantage and education inequality My responses as I obsessively watch the news and hoping for shreds of hope through different kinds of state and government responses is Does this feel kind? Does this feel like it's helping the people who need the help the most? My bodily sense of this work is, you know, you know I sit in a privileged position, I have a home that I'm very happy to be sequestered in for this, uh, I have very functional technology and teams that are working hard. And I know a lot of people don't have that. And to sit and acknowledge that privilege and uh, the, the, the position that I have in this world turns to responsibility now for sure.
1: Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously picked up your accent there um, before you, you gave us the background, but I'm, I'm interested in your experiences um, in um, uh, over in the US and mm-hmm. in particular, I suppose in the professional context, I assume you were doing similar work um, in similar contexts over there and then in Australia. Um, so yeah, just, um, are there any insights about similarities or d- key differences? And, and then yeah. the second part of it would, how, how would that be sort of influencing um, the, uh, how, how the virus is sort of playing out in people's responses to it?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, in New York, I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time back in 2003 and 4 ish uh my school was is uh, was called the KIP Infinity Charter School. It's part of the KIP Charter School Network in New York City. And uh, we had the extraordinary uh re- uh opportunity to work directly with Marty Seligman and Angela Duckworth from the University of Pennsylvania. It was there uh before I think we didn't even have the words. Positive in education. Uh, we were just trying to see what this new science around well being could mean for students who already have a great deal of courage to get to school and to do the, do the work and have the relationships they have. But we really wanted to figure out how to bolster their strengths. And so we worked closely with the University of Pennsylvania in a partnership that lasted a number of years. So well being side of things started forming back then when i had the opportunity and was invited to come to australia and uh, very much found melbourne and barry street victoria to be my home Uh, barry street was holding on in a one of the national leaders in what was emerging as trauma aware practice what it meant to understand trauma's impact on intergenerational uh, intergenerational concerns around racism around uh, biological and social and learning needs and what I found when I moved here was that there were very much silos uh, around what I might call the trauma-informed people were' here thinking about therapeutic ways to support people and you know the science of uh, positive psychology emerges from a different place uh, you know I might sort of I playing this To students, it's that uh, positive psychology was looking at uh, what was working well in people and what was the best of people and how could we extend that. But my concern was always sitting in the middle. And I always felt like somewhere are two sides of this coin that wanna help people who are struggling on the margins of disadvantage, then we need to understand how to increase um, capacity to connect to their own body and to understand their own escalation when they, the pressures of stress and of life and what they need to do to tell themselves to be strong enough to be on task and to learn and to do what the teacher says that's important and that comes to us from trauma aware practice but then i also starting to work with teachers that said well we got to do this and well-being is another thing and we realized now it's uh we want to create a story that makes sense narratively and developmentally that's for teachers, could be seen as a developmental trajectory that we want to help someone understand their escalated responses, link very closely to cultural well being in the class. Tom, a lot of people have been talking
0: about everything that's happening to us, and we're right in the middle of it. So, you know, it's hard to tell, but people do talk about it like a collective trauma that is happening kind of. Across the whole world right now. Um, and I'm curious, as uh, Berry Street, as an institution that's been working on trauma aware practice for so long, are there things that are happening within Berry Street or um, within the schools that you've implemented since then? Or is it kind of like school? Is it business as usual for you? Right. <laughs>
2: like, well, Thanks for the prompt. So I want to link this now to our current, uh, our current understandings of what's happening. Mm. Look, the, I fancy myself a bit of an armchair philosopher <laughs> and someone who, who kind of tries to understand information and tries to make sense of it. Look, at, the, at my most armchair philosophically-minded thoughts, Uh, I look at this as a systemic approach to the world, right? Like uh, a family is nested in a community, is nested in a school, is nested in uh, a structure. And I think we can agree that before COVID, Australia was contending with another kind of trauma, which was the trauma of the natural world. I mean, we had the hottest escalating summers in the history of uh, recorded temperature and thus we were as Australians we were very much trying to put together communities affected by bushfire and then COVID-19 comes and what I see now are old structures falling away and new structures are arising and that doesn't necessarily have a positive valence to it because I look at countries that have unified behind a vision for safety and health in the community Uh, i think we can look across the ditch to our friends in new zealand with great admiration for their courage and uh, quick action and then i look at what's happening in the united states and i am concerned because the new structures that are arising and i will loosely say and i know that your everyone watching this would understand the uh, uprising of autocratic and dominator values. And you know, when I was a university kid in the '90s, <laughs> I always, you know, my postmodern theory classes were like, "Oh yeah, of course, postmodernism means we all will accept a variable understanding of truth and will support it." <laughs> and I just thought, why are we studying this? Like, the modern world will surely come around to this and with great trepidation we see that that's not happening and we see dominator values coming through looking for opportunities to assert themselves so with these new structures arising both positive and alarming i think we now is the time for the people who are tuning into this you know your your series and the people that were connected through our communities of well-being our time is now that i in a sense i've always felt intuitively that we were preparing for something we were preparing ourselves through self-refinement practices, through mindfulness, by understanding our strengths, by understanding how emotional intelligence could work between us and our families. Well, the time is now that that could have all been for this kind of preparation to help us and our community step through a threshold. And uh, COVID-19 is certainly upon us, but I think we also need to understand uh, how to address a world that is becoming increasingly uncertain.
0: I think um, you hit on something there, uh, something that uh, Nora Bateson has actually been saying to me, which is everyone's talking about change or, you know, how to be a change agent or how to make change. And we've been on that narrative for so long now. How do you make change? And um, we don't have to make change anymore. It's here. So what do you do with that? right um I'm, I'm you know curious you know what do you think needs to happen to i guess pump up the positive and pump down some of those negative things that you're seeing emerging
2: yeah thanks uh i'm gonna drop uh, act <laughs> Because I know many people uh, watching this would be familiar with ACT, Acceptance Commitment Therapy, which is very much underpinning the work we do at Barry Street and the Barry Street Education Model. And so I keep coming back to, okay, Tom, take a breath. <laughs> Ground to where you are, connect to your values of social action and community well-being, and then take one step at a time, one micro step. And I know a lot of us right now are thinking around systems-informed work because we want things like well-being literacy to move across the system. And we want the system to know itself and see itself and work together as a collective vision in response to dominator values. But however, I find in our work around systems change, it's uh, overwhelming because a system is complex and chaotic and we're just one little piece in a multi-veiled moment. And so where we're directing our work at Berry Street is to say acknowledge the system and one's place in it. Gosh, I think the most powerful moment for us is to say it's with intention and depth that our work has power within the system one step forward and to do that step to the best of our ability, with the best of intention, connecting to the values of the people that we're trying to support, that is quite frankly good enough. <laughs> like we can pat ourselves on the back and say, you know what, I woke up in this time of uncertainty to take one step at a time and that with my whole heart. I think that's what we need to be as we work together to do this.
1: I'm just interested, and this might be a question for, for either of you guys, um, just around... Like, I, I'm, I'm the same, I think, as share your views and, and a lot of other people that I'm interacting with as well, that this is hopefully... Well, it's definitely a, a time of change, but hopefully for a change in the right direction. But I suppose, Tom, you mentioned the bushfires and and your work with, you know, sort of trauma-affected um, um, people, young people in particular... What, and and you mentioned the ACT um, process and acceptance, I suppose, is obviously the first uh, word out of that. How do do you see that the process and the timing playing out? There's a time for sort of sitting with it and processing it, accepting it. Um, There's a time, I suppose, um, for also um, visioning and and imagining that new future, and there's a time for taking action. and I think my, my novices sort of view is, um, you know, there's a bit of a process or it's important to sort of step through those, those steps rather than just jumping straight to the, the answer or the solution. Um, either of you guys have a view on that from your personal perspectives or professional experiences or whatever it might be? Yeah.
2: Uh, I would, uh, as we do in our work and through our research and practice, we want people to start with the body. You know, you, your question, Simon, is about jumping or when to take action, when to reflect. Some people in our life say, oh, no, we need to slow down. Some people say, no, no, it's an urgent time. Like, we got to do this. Uh, you know, everyone has a developmental pace they need to work at. It's okay. But what we try to do is say, ah, but trauma and chronic stress and escalation, it's sometimes helpful for people to think of that as nonverbal that yes, you can think about what is uh, concerning you, but really we we want people to anchor it in their body and realize that what's happening for you has its roots in nonverbal capacities within the body or below the neck a lot of times. And that's quite hopeful because there are things that we can do, strategies that we can do to support our bodies so that we can then do what we need to do to think forward uh, and take that next step. Uh, I'd like to share just a couple of concepts that have been really useful to a lot of, uh, well, we work with educators around the, the traps. But uh, one of the concepts that comes to us from our team at Berry Street is called uh, unpredictability equals risk. And if you're making little reminders for yourself, we even write it like unpredictability equals And it's something that uh, our friends who are behavior analysts uh, help us understand. When a child or any of us perceives the world to be unpredictable, we will do things to make it feel less risky. So this is a time of unpredictability. And some of us are our highest selves where we're thinking, oh, this is unpredictable. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to make sure I run around the block for 30 minutes in the morning. I'm going to have a perfect, consistent routine. I'm going to eat healthy stuff. And I'm going to connect to all my friends on Zoom. Uh, I admit that hasn't been me. <laughs> and, and, and I know This is probably going to be probably, uh, this recording is going to follow me for a little while, but I'm (laughs) courageous. I I
0: just want to say, Tom, before you head on, you're not alone. That was me for like two days. And then (laughs) I I
2: gave up. Relate to real people out there. Uh, You know, fitness routine is the pool. I love swimming in the morning and all the pools are closed. And I admit I haven't found a replacement activity for that because I want to be in the pool. I have definitely done more online shopping than I should have been. I am definitely eating pizza and you know doing the things that I need to do to like feel like some kind of weirdo human being. So you know, in this unpredictable world, I'm doing those things. Some of them, I'm meeting my needs in healthy ways, and some of them are unhealthy. And I have this like every day. but for for children and vulnerable young people in particular. Um, when they perceive the world to be unpredictable, they will do things to make it feel less risky. For a lot of our young people, that's existing at a hypervigilant state of escalation. And they're constantly scanning their environment for threats and opportunities and to survive, both you know social interactions, being rejected from school, being told you've got to learn online and they don't have the access and they, they don't have the materials or the support to do that yet. So there's a lot of things that I would recommend us to think about, yes, We do things to make the world predictable for us. And the best thing we can do for our loved ones is to notice and gently suggest or help and support when you feel like, ah, that's a really good opportunity to bolster someone's efforts there. Mm -hmm. And I guess like uh,
0: the extension of that is if we can be conscious of how we're trying to make the world more predictable or less risky, and we can ask ourselves, is that actually benefit to the rest of the world as well, not just me? Um. That might help some of these other behaviors like panic buying toilet paper um, from <laughs> getting out of hand, right? That, would that be another example of um, people trying to make something less
2: risky or more predictable? Oh, completely. I mean, look, it's completely risky to go to the grocery store and feel like you can't get the basic things that you need. But I suppose. Uh, I want to ensure that we send some pretty good messages out there through uh, through your show. Mm. But uh, I think as people with considerable amounts of knowledge and well-being, uh, and as people who think a lot about how to forward this knowledge and research to people who need it the most, that's an incredible responsibility. And so uh, back to our systems thinking, I think, yeah, at our best we're holding systems we're modeling for systems we're crafting and holding space within those systems and so at our best when our needs are being met and we're feeling pretty good about stuff uh i am at my best when i'm thinking yeah what can i do to be uh, a steady state a container for the work that needs to happen around me unfortunately
0: And this always happens it creeps up on us we're getting to the end of our time Uh, tom i'm wondering is there anything that we haven't had the chance to talk about that's really popping up in your mind that you really want to say before we sign off
2: uh sure i mean i I love teaching i'm a teacher at heart so i gotta teach. Uh, another helpful concept to us at especially relevant to this time is the idea of top-down regulation and bottom-up regulation Mm. that you know for us to hold space and to support ourselves and one another we have to work on being self-regulated so we can manage ourselves and be thinking clearly when possible and so it's useful to think there are two ways the body begins to self-regulate one is you know top down literally my brain says to my body tom stop complaining sit still finish your work help people and at my best i can do those things i can obey my brain but a lot of us, like I've kind of said a few times during the talk uh, here, that bottom-up refers to the body and acknowledging that the body is a place to be activating and to be uh, you know, feeding in healthy ways and to move and to be mindful. and to, If, if uh, things like yoga are important to you or be walking around your block in nature is important to you, that giving the body a chance to move also brings a powerful sense of regulation to the self. So there are times, many, many times during my days, during COVID, uh, I think, oh, I'm feeling a little restless right now. What is happening? Mm. Yeah, I can think about it from this, or I can think about it from this, and often it's a combination of the two.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good um, point to bring up. It's actually made me think about, well, ever since this has started, especially with all the Zoom calls, which are very cognitive, um i just get up and go for a walk around the block after each one now and i've been doing more and more walks around the block and it just made me feel better i didn't know what i was doing but i was i was bottom regulating <laughs> yeah awesome um something anything that you want to uh, add to that before we sign off
1: i was just going to say something that makes sense why are you looking super fit now kesh
0: yeah
1: the walking man he explained it <laughs>
0: All right, <laughs> uh, fantastic. Well, I guess that's all that we really have time for today. But I just want to thank you, Tom, for coming on and having a chat with us and sharing so much of your experience and wisdom. So, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Yeah. And for all of our audience, um, request that you share, like, and subscribe. Uh, if this was useful or helpful, uh, share it with other people if you think that it will help them. And that's it for us today. So, you stay healthy world.